everybody. How you guys doing? That's what I like to hear. I hope you guys are ready uh, for a good time this morning. First, I just want to say thank you for joining us and welcome to Clarkson Community Church. If you don't know who this gorgeous-looking, bearded, skinny-jean-wearing man is, I am Josh. I am the uh, worship arts director here at Clarkson Community Church, and I have the honor and privilege of uh, being able to share the word with you this morning. And so uh, I just want you to know that I don't take that very lightly, and I'm excited. We had an amazing first service. Uh, the one critique I got was that I clapped too much, so now every time I do it, you're going to pay attention. Uh, so now that you know, you know. And the more you know, you know. People say that all the time, but not really. But what I want to do is I want to tell you a couple things about me. That way, you know, we can build this relationship. That way, when I talk, you're not just like, I don't know who this guy is. So number one, I'm a very passionate individual, right? And it comes across in a lot of the things that I do. And so if you've been around here for any number of years, um, me playing music, you can just see the passion in what I do. And, uh, and it pretty much translates in any, anything in my life, from games to hanging out with friends and family uh, and even preaching the word this morning, so you'll kind of get a little taste of that this morning. And then uh, number two is I'm a, I'm a Jesus guy. I love Jesus. I believe that uh, you know He uh, was sent down to earth by God to die for us on a cross, and that uh, He did that for you and me. And He didn't even know us, and He's changed my life radically, and He has the uh, opportunity to change your life. And then number three is I'm really loud. You know, louder than the typical speakers that you probably see. Uh, through here, so don't be uh, afraid, and don't be, don't think that I'm like yelling at you, because I'm definitely not yelling at you. That's not the case. I promise. If I'm preaching to anybody this morning, it's probably just myself, and you guys can just listen and come along for the journey. Uh, but how many of you guys have been here for the past couple weeks? Anybody? Cool, four people. That's what I like to see. All right. So uh, the past couple weeks, we've been in this series called Wonder, right? Um, and if you were able to be a part of it, Pastor or not Pastor, Greg Martin. Uh, was uh, leading the first couple uh, messages there. He did an amazing job, uh, very foundational to what we're going to be talking about uh, over the next couple weeks. So if you weren't able to catch those, head to our website, check it out, head to our podcast, uh, check it out. They're available for you there. Um, But the goal with this series, right, was to shift your perspective on how we view life, how we view uh, the normal things of life to how we view the beautiful things like the bumper video you saw before us. Like, man, if I had the opportunity to go to any of those places, I would just be like in awe and wonder the whole time that I was there because it's just so beautiful and so amazing. And that's stuff that God has created. And so our goal has been focused on this one quote that uh, Greg Martin pulled from a book that he read a while ago. I'm going to read it. That way we can all get in the same page, just in case you haven't been here the past couple weeks. And this was the quote for our the, uh, the theme of our our message, and is this. Our goal should be to live life in radical amazement, to get up in the morning and look at the world in a way that takes nothing for granted. Everything is phenomenal. Everything is incredible, and never treat life casually, and to be spiritual is amazed, right? And so this is the foundation for what we've been talking about and will be talking about today and the next couple weeks. Um, But what I want to do this morning is I want to jump right into it because I got like four pages of outline ready to go for you guys. And I'm going to try to get you out of here before three o'clock today. That way you guys can go for like a mid-lunch dinner, okay? And so we're going to jump right in. If you got your Bibles, head over to Genesis 12. That's where we're going to hang out uh, the majority of today. But I'm going to read a scripture that's not there to kind of set up our message, set up the direction for where we're going. And then we're just going to dive right in. It's going to be great. So we're in Hebrews 11, 8. I'm going to read this for you. And it says, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Even when he reached the land God had promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, 
a city designed and built by God. Now let's pray. Father, we are just so thankful for these couple moments that we have to spend together. Lord, I pray that as we dive into your word and hear more about you and how awesome and wonderful you are, God, that we would be able to hear what you have to say to us this morning, Father, that uh, everything that I say, God, that wouldn't be anything that uh, I want to say, Father, but it would be you speaking through me, Lord, and I pray that we would have our hearts and ears open, ready to hear what you have to say for us this morning, God, and uh, Lord, we just lift up the Detroit Lions because they're struggling all the time, and we just want them to win a playoff game, you know, maybe before I die, uh, and we'll do this in all your name. Amen. Okay. Sometimes the Lions just need a little bit more. You know, they were so close. I'm a sports fan. Um, that really has nothing to do with the message. I just wanted to make you laugh, and it works. So that's awesome. So this morning, I want to ask you this question. How many of you guys like to grocery shop? Cool, two people. That's exactly the response I got first. Not a lot of people like to do it, but we have to do it because if we want to survive, we need to eat food. Um, so that's just what happens, right? And so uh, grocery shopping for me uh, growing up was, was a fun time, right? I always remember when I was a wee tot, probably about the same tallness that I am now. Um, you know, we would go grocery shopping. So I was homeschooled for a little bit. And so when I was home with my mom, we would, uh, and my brother would come and our sister, we would, we would go to Meyer. That was our go-to place, right? And we would get all the groceries, right? You got a family of five. That's a lot of groceries for those of you that have a pretty big sized family. And if you're single living on your own, you don't even know, okay? So that's a lot of groceries. So mom would bring us because we would lift all the heavy things because that's what we did. We're boys. We're going to lift it for mommy. And then at the end, we would get a reward, right? And so we would go to the candy aisle, which is the best aisle in any store you go to, right? I have a bad sweet tooth. I was telling everybody that was here pre-service that uh, I had a great day yesterday. I just I studied my word all day, and then I ate a whole box of Girl Scout cookies. It was a, it was a good day. You know, I'm not going to complain. And so for me, uh, the candy aisle was what I looked forward to, and my mom would take us down there, and she would say, here's the candy aisle. You get to pick one thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we getting something chocolatey, because I'm a chocolate guy, just in case you ever wanted to get me something. Uh, I like chocolate, right? And then my brother, he was more like the sour gummy worms. That was his jam. He would get that over and over. Very consistent. I appreciate that. It's funny, because I had those recently. And uh, I was like, these are awful. Why did I ever eat these as a child? But that's not the point, right? So we would go grocery shopping. We would get our candy. And then we would get home. And then uh, my mom would look at us and be like, all right, you're going to get your candy when you bring the groceries in. She maybe didn't say it like this, but, you know, that, that was the thought, right? And so I looked at my brother, and we would look at the back of the car, and we'd be like, okay. So we, we had a bigger car. You know, it was a big expedition, big family. got to lug them around, and you pull up the trunk, and there's just – layers of groceries like you, you never see the end it's like you try to see and you know, there's just more bags and more bags you know i'm like I'm like mm, how are we going to do this how are we going to carry this in and i look at my brother I was like dude i want to get that candy so we're going to do this in one trip all right so we get in there we're getting the power stands because you know we got to get ready and we're just grabbing bags and we're rolling them up we'll take the holes put them on our arms as many as we can do on this arm and then as many as we can do on this arm and we would just load up and then we'll be like, we got it all. And we're like, no, there's like cases of pop there. So we got to grab the pop. And we got to grab like three jugs of water. And then we're like, all right, let's go. And then we, and we get it all. And we would carry it. Remember, mine, we were little, okay? So we were carrying this stuff. And we would do this every time. This was our tradition. We would bring them all in, the least amount of trips as possible. We dropped a lot of things. We broke a lot of things in the process of it. But, you know, it was all fun, made for good memories. And then we got our candy, right? And so as a kid, I didn't want to wait, I didn't want to take one trip, go in, come back out, and do all that. I'm, I'm a very efficient individual. That's what I've been told lately. Um, and so, like, I want to get it all done, and I want to get it done now, right? I don't want to wait to have my candy. I want to do it one trip, go inside, get my candy bag, go play some video games, go run around outside, and enjoy being a kid. And as a culture, that's what culture's trained us to be like, right? Our culture is a very much I-need-it-now society. You look at fast food. You know, you roll up to McDonald's, 
you get some luxurious meal in like two minutes if you're lucky. And then I don't, sometimes you have to question, like, I don't know where this came from, but I'm just hungry and I need to eat it, right? And so that's just the culture of fast food. You look at Amazon, right? You order something, two-day shipping, Amazon Prime, so good, especially during the holidays, like Christmas time. I'm like, dang, I need to order a present for my poppy, and it's like the 22nd, Amazon Prime, here the 24th. We good! Okay? And then you look at YouTube, right? You can learn anything you want to learn on YouTube. You go to YouTube, you can learn probably how to build a house by a series of videos. You can learn how to fix your car. You can probably learn how to do surgery on YouTube, okay? I'm sure there's just a bunch of crazy stuff. Uh, whatever you found that's crazier than that, let me know because I would love to know what crazy stuff is on YouTube. But it's very much an I need it now culture, right? You can learn all these things right now, and that's the way media is driving us, church. But what I want to talk about today is that our spiritual lives are, need to be anti-culture. When you think about the concept of waiting, it's an awful concept. I'll, I'll be blunt. I'll say it. It's awful. Nobody likes it. Nobody wants to wait. Like it, especially when you go to the movies and you got to wait for the movie. Oh, it's the worst. Just show me the movie, okay? That's what I paid for. Right? But waiting is awful. And in our spiritual lives, waiting is essential. Because you can't just go home, read the whole Bible in a day. If you could do that, bravo. Good for you. And then just expect to know it all and absorb it all. Like, like you, you can't just do it all in one sitting, right? And a lot of times we look at our spiritual lives that same way. And so this morning, I want to ask you this question. What are you waiting for? Everyone's in a different season of life. Everyone does things at different times. But what are you waiting for? Are you waiting maybe for that spouse to come around? Or are you waiting for your kids to have kids? Are you waiting for that new job that you're just like, man, I'm going to get it sometime? Are you waiting for God to answer a prayer? Are you waiting for God to come through on a promise that maybe he promised you and God's like, I'm going to do this for you and he hasn't done it yet? So my big question, and I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this question very often. By the time you leave, you're just going to spit that question out like unconsciously eating a donut. What are you waiting for? Wait, what? But what are you waiting for? So this morning, I want to dig into the Word. We're going to be in Genesis, where I told you we were going to be. And I want to look at Abraham and Sarah, because they had a, a very interesting life. They, they had a lot of waiting. Uh, many of you probably know Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Yeah, yeah, many sons. Hey, okay, yeah, it's the childhood church song. Most kids know it. And so we're going to be talking about Abraham this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, if you don't, don't worry about it. The big Bible in the sky will have everything you need to see. That's all that matters. So let's dive right in. Let's take a look. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4. And it says this. The Lord said to Abraham, pause. The word pause is not there. That is my word. Pause. Okay? Before we go any further, this first part is going to be very essential for what I'm talking about today. So you really need to grasp what I'm about to tell you. The first phrase there said, the Lord said to Abraham. Church, this is why we need to be in God's word. This is why we need to be spending time with God in prayer. Because if we're not spending time with God, building a relationship with him, how are you going to expect him to talk to you? How are you going to expect him to give you all the favor and blessings and give you everything that you need if you're not spending time with him and building that relationship with him? So, Oh, yeah, I missed a step. I'm just so excited to get into this. My title for today is What Are You Waiting For? You probably guessed that. So if you have your bulletins, write that down at the very top. Get a pen. It's really easy. Just write it down. Because I say, if you write things down, you'll be more likely to remember it. There's plenty of studies. You can probably Google Harvard study. I'm sure there is one done. All right. And, but the, what they don't tell you is that when you take notes in church, that's your fast pass when you get to heaven, right? You're waiting in that long line to get to heaven. And they're like, man, how do I speed this up? I got sermon notes. 
fast pass line over here. You can get in quicker. Oh, you got two pages? You get the shortest line. Come on over here. So take notes this morning, okay? Um, it's going to help you remember what I have to say today, all right? And so I want you to write down this first point. It's not going to be on the screen, so you really have to think about it when I tell you, and I'm going to repeat it. The only way to recognize God's presence is to be present. The only way to recognize God's presence is to be present. Abraham would not have been able to hear from the Lord if he was not present in his relationship with God and with Jesus. And that is the same thing for our lives, church. Our culture is very much an I need it now system. And we go home and we're like, man, I got to check all these things off my checklist. So boom, I'm going to read the Bible. Five minutes, we're in and out. Boom, I'm going to pray for lunch. One minute, we're in and out. And we don't take the time to be actually present. We just do it. And so if you're just doing things to doing things, are you, are you building any type of relationship there or are you just checking it off your to-do list? And so this morning, this concept is very fundamental for what I'm about to talk about. The only way to recognize God's presence is to be present. All right, let's keep reading. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to a land that I will show you. There's so much to preach, but I ain't got time. What he's saying is, I want you to leave your comfortability. Abraham had everything around him. He had everything that he could ever need. God was blessing him. God was giving him favor. And he's like, no, I want you to leave all of that. All of it. Church, I want to remind you this this morning. God didn't call us to be comfy. God didn't call us to sit and just absorb all this stuff and just get comfortable in what we do. God called us to be uncomfortable. That's why it's hard to talk about Jesus with other people. That's why it's hard to do some of that stuff. Because it's not comfortable. It's out of our comfort zone, but we enjoy comfortability. Right, so that's what he was saying there. God's like, I need you to leave your comfortability. And we keep reading, and it says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. Man, that's a pretty legit promise. That's what I'm saying. He's basically saying, I'm going to make you awesome, man. That's awesome. And so Abraham, you know what he does? He, he left. He said, okay, God, I have faith. I believe that you're going to do what you said you're going to do. So I'm going to, I'm going to follow you. So he gathered up all this stuff. He left and he went on his way, right? But let me ask you this question. How many of you people know somebody that when you, uh, they say that they're going to do something, but then they don't do it? Does, any, does anybody know a couple of people? Yeah, a couple of people are like, yeah, I know those people. And spouses, don't point to your husband next to you, okay? That's not the point of this, right? But the point is, I'm sure Abraham had some of those people in his life, right? And our human nature is to doubt. When someone says, I'm going to do something for you, and they have let you down before, you're like, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. I say that all the time, so don't be offended if I've ever said it to you. Um, but, I mean, that's the reality, right? And so Abraham, in the back of his mind, he's got all this faith, and he's believing. He's like, God, I know you're going to do this. But, like, in the back of his mind, he's probably like, eh, I don't know about that one. And you'll see later on in Scripture, we jump down to Genesis 13. He's there. He's in the land, and God realizes, eh, he's just he, he's, he's having some doubts. So God's like, I, I just need to reassure him, right? So he comes back down, Genesis 13, 15 through 7. He says this, I am giving you this land. Man, it's like so straight and clear. I love it. As far as you can see, to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. Pause. Keyword here, descendants. You're probably like, why, Josh? Well, let me tell you. Because Abraham, at this point in his life, he had no kids. He had nothing after him. And guess what? He's 75. He ain't no young chicken, okay? He's old, and his wife is as old as he is. And you know what? Making babies that old, it ain't easy. 
And he's probably like, man, I don't know what you're talking about. God, I, I don't, how are you going to do this? And so at this point, Abraham's probably questioning the vision that God gave him. Right? But one thing that I want to remind you of this morning is that a vision is never going to align with where you currently are. A vision is going to take you to where you're going. And so Abraham's sitting here looking at what he has around him, and he's like, man, I don't know how this is going to happen. And God said, look, and I'm not looking at your barrenness. He's like, I'm looking at my fruitfulness. And God says, I know what I can do. You just need to supply the faith. You need to believe that I can do it. So church, I don't know what you're waiting for this morning, but I want to just remind you, it doesn't matter what you're waiting for because God's going to be able to supply anything that you could ever imagine. You may think, I can't do this on my own. I don't know how this is going to happen. Don't worry about it. God's not looking at that. God says, I know that I can, be, I can do this for you. I am faithful and I am fruitful and I'm going to work through you. And we keep reading. It says, I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, that's a lot of dust and I hate dust, they cannot be counted. And he said, go and walk the land in every direction for I am giving it to you. And you know how cool that'd be? God was just like, hey, just go walk. It's yours, baby. You have all that up, just walk. You can have it. And so here, this is important because God is giving him another piece of the puzzle. Right? Initially, God's like, hey, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And now he's like, well, if you want to be a great nation, you probably need some land. So I'm going to give you some land. Right? This was a little, another piece of the puzzle, another piece of the promise. The one thing that I want to say this morning, church, is that God's most likely, I, I don't like to say never because that puts God in a box. Not a good idea. Most likely, God's not going to give you the full picture every time. You want to know why? Because if he gave you the whole picture, you wouldn't need God anymore. If God said, hey, listen, I got a plan for your life. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to be a millionaire by 35. You're going to travel all over the world. It's going to be great. And here's how you're going to do it. And he gave you a step-by-step direction. Then you would just be like, oh, thanks, God. See you later. You know, and you wouldn't need God because you know exactly what you need to do. You know everything that's going to happen. But here's what God does. He gives us pieces because God wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. It's this key word that keeps coming up. I keep saying it. Faith. Faith. Remember that. Remember that word. But the one thing that I love about this whole story is that God's talking to Abraham, and yet he still loves us even when we have doubts and even when we complain. Because let's be honest, we all do that. I'm guilty of it. Not as much. Not as much, but I do it. And so does everybody else, right? And so here, check this out. Abraham does it too. What? He's human too? Yeah, he makes mistakes. He ain't perfect. Genesis 15, 1 through 6. Sometime later. Love that phrase. We're going to come back to that. Hold your horses. The Lord said to Abram in a vision, in a vision. Again, he's speaking to Abram here, right? If he, if he wasn't spending time with God, if he wasn't pursuing his relationship with Jesus, he wouldn't have been able to see this, okay? In a vision, it said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. Now, this wasn't initially part of the, the promise that God gave him, right? This was kind of just a reassurance, right? Abraham's like, I don't really know how you're going to do this. I don't know what your plan is. And God's like, listen, don't worry about it. Here's what I want you to focus on. Don't be afraid. And church, I don't know what you're waiting for, and I don't know if fear lies ahead of that and what you're waiting for. But I believe just as God reminded Abraham, he wants me to remind you this morning that don't be afraid because God's going to be with you every step of the way. You might not know the plans. You might not have the full path. But God says, hey, don't worry about it. I'm going to walk with you. It says, I'm going to protect you. What would you walk like if God was like your bodyguard? What kind of swag would you have? You'd be like, yeah, I got God on my side. How you doing? Yeah, like what would that be like, church? That's how we got to walk because God says, listen, I'm going to protect you. You don't got to worry about nothing. 
We keep reading. It says, but Adam replied, here's the good part. Check it out. Oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Here's how the how caught up to him, right? He's starting to see the full picture. He's like, I don't know. This ain't checking out. Then he says, since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all of my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Church, this morning, he didn't stop having faith. The doubts just consumed him, right? He let the how God's going to do this creep up. He let the, God, how are you supposed to do this in my life, stop him. And he started having all these doubts. And another thing that he was probably doing was he was probably asking the question, like, God, why haven't you done this already? Like, why do I have to keep waiting? Right? And that's a big issue, too, with us. Because a lot of times I feel like we pray for things, and we're like, two days later, you're like, God, why haven't you answered my prayer? Like, yoo Do you see me down here? I know there's like a gazillion people on earth, but can you just answer? I just, I just want a new job. You know, I just want spouse. Like, God never answers our prayers when we want them to be answered. I remember when I was a little kid, I can remember this a couple of distinct times in my life where I would, uh, I would pray for God. I just remember being in my bedroom and I, I put on my super holy spiritual face, right? I even wore my extra holy jeans for you guys today. And I got on my knees and I was praying to God. And I was like, God, I just, just want you to do this for me. And I was like, if this is what you want, I was like, just let a bird fly by the window. And I would look. They, they ain't no bird there. And I'm like, so I pray again. I'm like, God, I just want you to please give this to me. I was, let a moth fly through the window. Nothing, nothing. I love my little me. It was great. I did that all the time. But a lot of times, church, we, we forget that God's timing is perfect. Remember what I said in the beginning of that verse? Sometime later, God's got it all under control. And it's not always going to happen when you want it to happen. If it does happen when you want it to happen, then awesome. Kudos. That's awesome. But a lot of times it doesn't. And as, as humans, that's frustrating. That's super frustrating because I love to be in control. I love to do what I want to do when I want to do it. But God's like, nah, that's not how this works. God says, you need to wait. And I love this because then it goes on and, and the Lord's like, hmm, okay, you're going to complain? I, I got something for you. And then the Lord said to him, ah, uh-uh, nope, not happening. He said, your servant will not be your heir for you will have a son of your own and he will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and he said to him, look up at the sky and count the stars. Then I can just imagine God's poem, tone being like, if you can, come on, son. You know you can't count those stars because there's so many stars. It's literally insane, right? And so he, look what he's saying. He said, if you can, that's how many descendants you will have. And boom, right there. That's where the light flicked on for, for Abram. He's like, oh, now I get it. Sometimes we just need to see things, which is really weird. We're we're humans. We have eyes. It's just natural, right? So God's like, hey, look at that. And so he gave him something to remind him of like, this is what I'm going to do for you. So every time Abraham looked up, he knew, hey, God's got something good for me. And so church, as we keep going, it says, and Abraham believed the Lord. And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Keyword, faith. And that's what I want to drill in this morning, church. My goal this morning by talking to you about this story, by telling you more about Jesus, is uh, to encourage your faith. Because I'm going to ask this question again. What are you waiting for? Everybody in this room is waiting for something. Our entire lives are built on this concept of waiting. 
And what are you waiting for? And this morning, I know the journey's long. I know the journey's hard. We've all been there. I've been there myself. And my goal this morning is to encourage your faith. Because here's what it says in the Bible. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. Church, God has big plans for you, whether you can see them or not, whether you're spending time with him or not. He has good things, he has blessings, and he has favor that he wants to bestow upon you. Bestow is such a weird word. He wants to give them to you, but, we're, but sometimes we're like, mm, I don't know, God. And the one thing that we have to do and we have to realize is that your faith is an essential and powerful tool that's going to release God's favor and blessings upon your life. A lot of times we look at our situations and we're like, man, this can't happen. This ain't happening. And we lose faith. We stop believing. And we pull up a chair and we're like, all right, God, do a magic trick. Let's go. Come on. You know, you can do this. Yeah, do it. And God said, no, I'm not doing that for you. Because you want to know what? God's never going to do something without our participation. This relationship with God, it's a two-way thing. It's a give and take. It's not all one way. Yeah, God does a lot of the work because he's awesome and he could do that kind of stuff. But it's a two-way thing. And so here's point number two. I want you to write this down. God supplies the seed of promise but it's our job to supply the faithfulness. Ooh, that's good. Come on. God supplies the seed of promise, but it's our job to supply the faithfulness. All right, and you're probably like, I don't know if I believe you. Cool, let me prove it to you. I got biblical references. Don't worry about it. We're going to Hebrews 11. We're going to Hebrews 11:6. okay? And this is the big scripture that I want to pull this morning, and it says this. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Mm, that's a good word right there, impossible. It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Church, this morning, you need to understand this. Your faithfulness is the key to what you're waiting for. You've been staring at a door for a long time and you're like, how am I going to open this? And this morning, this is your key. It says right here in scripture. But one thing I want to do is I want to redefine what we view faith as. Because I think it's got a kind of a wonky definition by church scripture standards, culture, right? Because when I say faith, you traditionally think of someone that can risk a lot and somebody that can trust a lot, right? But that's, not, that's really not a good biblical definition of what faith is. Faith is a gift from God. It says so in the Bible. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is a gift from God. So church, catch this concept. When it comes to saving a faith or obtaining faith, you cannot manufacture faith within yourself. For if you could manufacture faith, you could in essence save yourself. But the Bible says we can't do that. Because the Bible says that we are lost, we are broken, we're living in sinful ways, we're born into a sinful world. And so we can't do that. And so realizing that faith is a gift from God is crucial. When you look up the most prominent word used for faith in the New Testament, it's translated in the Greek to this word pistis. And when you define that word even further, that word means persuaded. Persuaded. Such a good word. I love that word. It's so good. So when you look at scripture and you see that word faith, substitute the word persuaded. So when I opened up the message today, I read out of Hebrews and it said, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed. It was by persuasion that Abraham obeyed. But let's just, let's just break it down a little bit further because we can do that, right? Uh, was Abraham persuading Abraham? 
Yeah, that's kind of weird. Like, who persuades themselves? It's kind of weird. No, it was God persuading Abraham. It's divine persuasion, church. That's what faith is. Faith is a gift from God, and it is a divine persuasion. You're like, man, how do I obtain this divine persuasion you speak of? Well, the simple truth is you spend time with God. Because as you spend time with God, as you read his word, as you pray, he's going to reveal things to you about himself that maybe you didn't know. And those things are good things, and those things are going to persuade you to say, hey, I think my life's much better with God than without God. But church, one thing I want you to understand this morning about faith and about this concept of persuasion is I don't want you to think that church is a place where you can just bring your friends and we can preach a message to them and they can be persuaded to believe in Jesus and then become a part of our church and volunteer in our church. That's not the goal. That's not what this is designed for. This is designed to share with you the truth about who Jesus was and how he can change your life. One thing that I really try to live my life by is let God be God. And if God is a good enough God and God is just and he can do whatever he wants, couldn't he easily persuade somebody? And so this concept of faith is a divine persuasion. It's a gift from God. I mean, logically, as humans, right, we want reassurance. It's natural. Like, I love to be reassured. It's awesome, right? And so when I go to a doctor's office and I'm sick and I'm like, man, I really need some reassurance that this doctor knows what he's talking about. You could probably go in his office. He's probably got his 20 doctor degrees from Harvard. Like, that's your reassurance. Like, okay, this guy's studied. He knows what he's talking about. This medication isn't crazy that he's about to give me. And as believers, you want to know what our reassurance is? Ooh, this is such an easy question. It's the Bible. God's word is your verification. God's word is what you need to build your faith upon. Because he gives you all the keys inside of their church. That's your verification. And when you look at Abraham's life, his life was no different than ours. He lived a life that was marked with mistakes. He lived a life that was marked by sin, marked by failure, just like, just like us. We're not perfect. Even I'm not perfect. I know, crazy, right? But he lived his life, and he had times of wisdom and goodness. But the one thing that he did was he consistently had faith in God. When you look at his story, that's the one thing he consistently did is he had faith in God to do what he said he was going to do. And he waited for God to fulfill his word. So the question for you today is, what are you waiting for? What is that one thing in your life that you've been praying for forever? What's that one thing that God said, hey, I'm going to do this for you, and he hasn't done it yet? What are you waiting for? Because it's different for each and every one of us. These past couple weeks have been interesting for me and my wife. Say about past three, three weeks, four weeks, we've had three people die that were close to us, we were acquaintances with. And uh, some of it was expected, some of it was unexpected. You know, one of them was my wife's great-grandmother, amazing, beautiful woman. She lived a very long, 102, 102. Dang, I know, right? She was a very godly woman. She was just full of life. She suffered with dementia, so, you know, she was suffering a little bit. So, you know, it was good. We were ready for her to go be with Jesus. And so that was a good time to be with family and just celebrate her life and um, it, was, it was just a great time. She was an amazing woman. And then on the other side of things, you know, there was a young girl that we knew. She frequented uh, my wife's coffee shop. Her family was in there all the time. Very big family. They got like nine kids. You know, they love Jesus with all their heart. And, uh, you know, she was driving to school one day during the winter vortex. Got in a car accident. 
and they had to bust those jaws of life out to get her out of the car. And, uh, you know, they took her to a hospital and uh, they had to put her in a coma just because of all of her injuries were extremely severe. And uh, I just remember for three straight days, I mean, they, her family, they were posting Facebook Live videos of just people in the waiting room just praying, masses of people. And, you know, we, we prayed here as a team, too. We prayed with the worship team. We believed together. And uh, three days later, they had to pull the plug. She had no brain activity, nothing. In the blink of an eye, church like that, she just thought she was going to work. And then an, an, another family that we knew, this mom and a daughter, probably about 13, 14, got in a car accident during the winter storm. And uh, the mom died in the arms of her daughter. <laughs> That's crazy. It's unfathomable. And I don't tell you these stories to persuade you to believe in Jesus. I don't tell you these stories to manipulate you. I tell you these stories because it's reality. It's life. Life is unexpected. Church, we're not guaranteed the next day. We're not guaranteed the next breath in our lungs, church. It's, it's a gift from God that he gives us. So this morning, I just wanted to bring reality back to our perspective because a lot of times we don't have to deal with a lot of this stuff. We just get to stand on the outside and watch. But church, the other side to this question is what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for in your spiritual life to take it seriously? When are you going to take that next step? I got this tattoo on my arm. This is three roses and a pocket watch. And uh, the roses symbolize beauty, simplicity. Clock symbolizes that we all have a time here on earth. Now, it's funny. When I got this tattoo, I didn't actually put like a specific time in there. So people ask me like, what time? Is that when you were born? I was like, no, that would a good idea. Hot dang. But when you put them together, it symbolizes and it means this to me, that we have the ability to choose how beautiful our life's going to end up when the clock strikes zero. God gave us the ability of choice, church. He gave us that ability this morning. And so this morning, you have a choice. You can take notes and listen to what I'm saying and actually apply it to your life. Or you can just walk out of here and be like, man, that was a good sermon. You know, his skinny jeans were super tight. His beard was great. He was funny. He did a great job. What a good sermon. And just continue life like normal. You have that choice today, church. And you can make the decision to change your life. Or you can just choose to live life like normal. And when you look at Abraham... He chose to wait on God. And he chose to wait on God because he had faith. He chose to wait on God because he believed that God would do what he said he would do. And so church, this morning, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for God to heal somebody in your family? Are you waiting for somebody that maybe doesn't know Jesus to come back to Jesus? Are you waiting for God to come through with a promise in your life? What are you waiting for? And it's funny, I was scrolling through my Bible and I have like seven of them. I don't know how I got seven Bibles. Um, but I was going through my study Bible and I came across a scripture that was highlighted that I wasn't 
planning on reading or using, and I read it, and I was like, man, this is like exactly what I'm talking about today. I was like, God knows what's up. Let's go. It says in Romans, it's talking about Abraham, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded. Ooh, that's what we just talked about. Come on now. That God had the power to do what he had promised. Church, Abraham made that choice. He was persuaded. He had faith. So this morning, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what season you're in. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're waiting for. But church, I do know this. We are a part of a community. We are a part of believers that want to come alongside of you and believe with you. When you're going through something that's difficult, and you're like, man, I don't know how this is going to happen. That's why you have people in your life that are going to surround you and say, listen, we're going to do this together. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray with you. And so this morning, here's your action item. I want you to answer the question, what are you waiting for? And I want you to send us an email at the wonder at clarksoncommunity.com. Super easy to remember. If you forget, come ask me after. Wonder at clarksoncommunitychurch.com. Because I want to know what you're waiting for. Because I want to lift up your needs in prayer. I want to bring it to our prayer team. I want them to be praying for you guys. And like share it with the people that you know, church. Because when you got more people on your side, it's so much easier. It's so much easier. Life's so hard to do it alone. Life's so hard to do it by yourself. That's why we have community. That's why we have church, to be a part of something. And then at the same time, you know, the other side of that question, like, what are you waiting for with your faith? Have you thought about somebody else's faith lately? Like maybe where they're at? Maybe some friends in your life, some family members in your life. And you're like, maybe just waiting to say, hey, do you want to come to church with me? Or, hey, do you read the Bible? Because I do. You know, see, it's, it's a difficult conversation, right? It's uncomfortable. But if not now, then when? Another tattoo on my arm. I'm just talking about all my tasks today. If you're not going to do it now, then when are you going to do it? Church, this morning, my goal was to encourage your faith by letting you know that you're not walking in this walk alone. We're here with you. We're here to walk alongside of you, and, the, and it doesn't matter what you're waiting on, church, but God is going to be there with you. Write this down if you can, because it's really long. I'm going to try to concise it for you. But when we create a life that thrives in the waiting, then we can grow into God's purpose for our lives. When we thrive in the waiting, then we can step into God's purpose. And look, that's exactly what happened with Abraham. Get to Genesis 21. This is the, the cap. I don't really know what I was going to say. That doesn't make any sense. Genesis 21. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant. And she gave birth to a son for Abraham at his old age. This happened at just the time God said it would. Just the time God said it would. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. He was 75 when God originally said, hey, yo, here's what I got planned for you. And he had a baby at 25. Not 25. 25 years later. He was a hundy. Solid hundy. Woo! That's old. Come on now. Man, by then, I'm just be sitting in a chair because I could barely move now. And I'm only 28. Ooh, pray for my wife having to push me around. He was 100. He waited 25 years. And so you might be praying for something right now, and you're like, man, it's been like a week. Man, you got to get on Abraham's level. He waited 25 years. Come on, cuz. Jeez. Church, God's timing is always perfect, and he knows exactly when you need to have what you need to have, and he knows exactly what he's going to do. Our job is to supply the faith, right? When God gives us the promise, the seed, if we don't water it, that's what your faithfulness is. There ain't going to be no tree coming out the ground. 
If you don't give a seed water, nothing's going to happen. But if you water that and you take care of it and you nurture it, it's going to grow into a tree. And so, church, our job is to supply the faithfulness so that God can give us all these favors and blessings that he has planned for us. Church, I know for a fact that God has good things planned for each and every one of you. Each and every one of you. And I'm excited for what God's going to do in this church and what God's going to do in this community. So this morning, as you go, get ready to go. I got one more thing for you. You're probably like, man, you've been talking about faith all morning. It's some gift from God. He's going to persuade me. That's awesome. But what am I supposed to do while I'm waiting? Don't worry, I got you. I got you. I ain't going to leave you hanging. Romans 12, 12. Check it. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. And keep on praying. Ooh, that's a good verse. Come on now. The beginning of that says rejoice in our confident hope. Church, who's our confident hope? It's Jesus. If you didn't know the answer, I'm going to give it to you. Now you have that for the test, right? And this word rejoice, right? It's to be joyful, but it's to be joyful multiple times because that R-E in front of it, rejoice, you need to be joyful, be joyful, be joyful, be joyful, be joyful, until it's annoying. But sometimes we just need to be reminded of how good God is in our lives. You know how you do that? You put good people around you to keep you in remembrance. You get in God's word. You spend time with God because he's going to remind you that he's got good things planned for you, church. And it says here, be patient in trouble. This is the hardest part. Come on. I talked about culture in the beginning. It's an I need it now. Patience is not something that humans like to do and or it's not really a part of our, our nature. Let's just be honest. Waiting is just awful. But you got to be patient. Because when you try to rush the process, you try to do things on your own and then it just falls into disaster. I mean, look at Abraham. Before he had his baby, he tried to do all these crazy things. His wife's like, hey, this ain't working, so go ahead and sleep with my servant. We'll have a kid. Yeah, that went well. <laughs> no, not really. Okay? So when we try to do things on our own, it doesn't work out, church. We got to be patient. We got to and always know that God's in control of what's going on in our lives. Then you need to keep on praying. That's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, I don't think I need to explain it too much, but you got to spend time with God. You got to be in his word. You got to be hearing what he's got to say to you. Because if we're not building that relationship, he's not going to talk to us. He's not going to be able to, we're not going to be able to hear him. So church, the only way to recognize God's presence is to be present. God supplies the seed, but it's our job to supply that faithfulness. And when we create a life that thrives in the waiting, then we can grow into God's purpose for our lives. So church, this morning as you go, I hope you're encouraged this morning that you're not doing this alone. You're not doing this by yourself. We're here for you. Send us what you're waiting for to the wonder at clarksoncommunitychurch.com so we can be in prayer for you guys. We want to just be believing and have faith with you. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't, but if anyone in here is maybe doesn't have a relationship with Jesus or maybe you walked away and you're like, yeah, I want to give Jesus another chance. You know, I'd love to just talk with you. I'd love to have a conversation with you. Come up, talk to me after service. We can talk. I'm not going to make you do anything crazy. Stand on your head, do a cartwheel because cartwheels are hard and I can't do them either. But... And maybe you're afraid to like come talk to me too. Like that's fine. Send me a text message. Ready? Here's my number: 517-304-0679. You got a question? You want to talk about Jesus? Send me a text. We'll get some coffee. We'll hang out. But I just wanted to give you that opportunity. So church, this morning, don't take things for granted. Live life for every moment, even when you're waiting, even when it seems awful, even when it seems like you're alone. You're not. And your faith, your faith is the key to what you're waiting for. So church, take advantage of that today.